How strong is President Donald Trump's support in Kansas? Is it time to join neighboring states by passing a law legalizing recreational marijuana? Who do Kansas trust for leadership on COVID-19? And what do people think about Black Lives Matter? The answers to these questions and much more are contained in this year's installment of Kansas Speaks. That's the statewide public opinion survey by Fort Hayes State University. Here to tell us all about it is Brett Zollinger, director of the Docking Institute at Fort Hayes State. Welcome to the Kansas Reflector. The survey results this year were published before the November election, of course, and among those 400-plus people who responded, President Trump was the pick of about 52%. Is that about where you expected it to be? That hasn't uh, changed much over the months, so I expect that'll be pretty stable leading right up to uh, Election Day. We also do see, though, with that, that I I would add that uh, support is uh, not surprisingly higher among men higher among those uh, over the age 45, and uh, also higher among those with uh, incomes over household incomes over 50,000. That's all pretty much in line with what we see in national polling data as well, when, when the pollsters do break out those findings. Should point out that President Trump eviscerated Hillary Clinton four years ago by 20 and a half percentage points, I think. And, and I think he's expected to win Kansas again, but I was told last night by a, a national poll watcher that it might be closer to 10, 10 percentage points. We'll, we'll just have to see. Right? We'll just have to see. And that's that's actually part of the uh, the joy, I guess, of uh, doing this kind of research. Uh, so much of the time, we, we in social and behavioral sciences have to pull a sample. We never get to look at the full population except when it comes time to vote, typically. So right. we always get to compare our samples against the actual population's behavior when it comes to voting. Okay, so let's shift shift gears to to weed, uh, not the kind that you mow down. But on the question of recreational marijuana, sixty six point nine percent supported legalizing it for people twenty one or older. Is that consistent with the past, or is there some shifting in thought there? Well, we've only asked that question. Let's see. I think two years now. Okay, and uh, it's pretty pretty similar to last year's findings. So, no no big. Su- surprise there in terms of uh, this year's findings. It's a really interesting one because if you get in the state house in Topeka, there's a lot of opposition to it. It seems like just reforming that whole law enforcement model of putting people who have marijuana in their pocket in jail is just a hard thing. It's gone on in many other states, but it just seems like it's just a really big hurdle to get over. Uh, there was another interesting result when you um, when you looked at, uh, at where people look to for leadership in terms of uh, the coronavirus pandemic, the most trusted person, kind of interestingly, was Dr. Anthony Fauci. He's the infectious disease director in, in D.C., who's been criticized by the president. Uh, are you surprised by that? Um, I, I don't find it uh, surprising. It's actually, again, uh, kind of in line with some national polls I've seen. So. Mm-hmm. Tell us, really no big, no big surprise there. Tell us about um, some of the other findings in that regard. Um, sure, sure. So we wanted to ask Kansans about um, various political elected officials, but also political bodies in terms of uh, how they believe that, that uh, those entities have handled the coronavirus outbreak. And um, we see that besides Dr. Anthony Fauci, um, the uh, highest approval ratings tend to be for uh, residents of a person's community in general. Again, those aren't elected officials, but it was one of the categories we, we went ahead and asked about. 
uh, pretty much everything else we ask about is um, elected officials or folks appointed to public health types of positions. Uh, the, the city government rated relatively high as well in terms of approval across Kansas. And then, uh, as you mentioned, of course, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, also rating high was uh, uh, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly and uh, her handling of the, of the outbreak. Mm -hmm. So she, I think she had an approval rating around 47%. Trump was at around 42 and And lowly Congress, Congress is at 16%. I don't know why they get dumped on so much. And that's a perennial finding. And it doesn't matter what poll you're looking at, pretty much. If it's the Kansas poll or some other state's poll or, or national, uh, Congress has uh, taken the brunt of uh, public opinion uh, for, for a long while now. Yeah, so 16%. You, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars are spent on these people trying to get elected to these jobs, a job for which most people will hate them for. You know, Congress rate pretty low in terms of the coronavirus outbreak, but it also, again, kind of perennially re, re, uh, rates relatively low when it comes to satisfaction with uh, uh, performance of elected officials and elected bodies. Now, I don't, though, want anyone to think that uh, we out here at the Docking Institute think that uh, that's not an incredibly important job and, and that those folks don't, while, while they do spend a lot of money to get elected uh, to a job where they may not be very popular, it's not an easy job. And I think, uh, it's nothing new to, uh, again, uh, over the past uh, few decades, we've seen uh, ratings for Congress be pretty low. And, and I'm not sure that that has really changed that much over the years, uh, even though we, we look at it now and say, well, you know, they're just constantly deadlocked. And, and it has become more acute for sure since uh, say the 1980s. Uh, it's still such an important, um, uh, body for us as uh, citizens of a representative democracy. Mm -hmm. So that's all. It's, it's, not, it's not necessarily an easy gig. And, and certainly, uh, folks have the right to express their opinions. I just don't want uh, uh, listeners to think that, that we believe it's an easy job. No, it's an incredibly difficult, <laughs> difficult job. Of course, all of these jobs are governor, Congress, Senate, president, just profoundly complicated and uh, require huge commitment. Uh, whether you're loved yes. or not. So I'm certain nobody has missed the Black Lives Matter protests and the marches, which call attention to the shooting of black men and, and women by law enforcement officers and other issues. But in Kansas Speaks, in, in the survey, 49% of the people you, you uh, interacted with said Black Lives Matter had made racial issues worse in the United States. C can you explain what's going on there? Well, um, I can't say that I do. Um, um, this uh, set of questions was uh, given to us by one of our colleagues uh, who, who has for a few years now offered some items or questions for our annual Kansas Speak survey. Dr. Patrick Miller uh, at uh, KDU, Political Science Department, I believe added this one. And then we also have a policy fellow who helps us at Emporia State, uh, also a professor of political science, uh, Dr. Michael Smith. Uh, both of them added some of the Black Lives Matter uh, uh, types of questions we asked this year. So um, a follow-up with them may be, um, uh, may be more illuminating than, than my perspective on this at the moment. Um, but I will say we did notice a difference here in um, age, a pretty pronounced difference, actually. Um, those who are under age 45 um, respond quite differently than those over age. 45. So uh, when we look at that breakout, 
those who are under 45, 25% answered better on this item. Or in other words, 25% believe that the Black Lives Matter movement made racial issues in America better among those under age 45, compared to only 10% over age 45. Speaking more broadly again, there's 49% that said that that it made racial issues worse. 17% said it had made racial issues, uh, the handling of that better. And 23%, one fourth of the people said that they didn't sense that there was any change. Another uh, element of this is that two thirds were slightly to extremely worried that the protests of Black Lives Matter in Kansas would bring violence to their neighborhood. And I just tried to run that through my head you think violence in Colby, Pittsburgh, Dodge City, Manhattan, maybe Wichita, <laughs> yeah. maybe Kansas City metro yeah. areas. I just, I just uh, two thirds, but two thirds were concerned about it. So nobody likes uh, people marauding down your street. And so I can understand the general fear of that. But the reality of it coming to most of Kansas seemed kind of far fetched, I guess. Yeah, Tim, that's a good point. And, and really, uh, one would need to drill down to um, uh, geographic areas of the state potentially, and also, um, you know, uh, uh, look at the urban-rural uh, differences. Uh, so, so you know, we don't we don't have that in this year's uh, report. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we we report only at a state level, and uh, we actually didn't collect the data this year to be able to drill down to that uh, level of granular detail. I think it's so a fa fascinating result, nevertheless. Th yeah, and, and and I think you raise a really good question. I mean, this is something that we would expect to probably vary across uh, levels of urbanicity. Okay, now it's time in the podcast for a uh, the survey director's choice. You asked tons of questions, so let's talk about a couple of them that you're interested in, Professor. Sure. Uh, one of the things we really wanted to look at this year was um, a. Uh, uh, an unavoidable uh, public policy issue, of course, is the coronavirus. And so we asked a series of questions about the extent to which uh, there have been negative impacts at a household level. And uh, we found some pretty, um, I guess, sobering results. If readers want to look at uh, figures 24 and 25, and by the way, our uh, Kansas Speaks um, full report is always posted to the Docking Institute's website annually and the 2020 report is up there ready to ready to be viewed by anyone. It's a PDF document. Thanks for and, mentioning that, I should have. Sure, and figure uh, 24 and 25 is where we'll we, uh, try to drill down to, again, some household level impacts. Uh, and like I said, fairly sobering results. We have um, overall about 25%, uh, around, around a quarter of Kansans, Express, um, that they are uh, that some at some point since the start of the coronavirus, um, they've had a serious problem in affording food, affording medical care, paying utilities, paying credit cards and loan debt, um, and then other other potential financial problems, kind of as a as a catch-all. There, twenty percent are having trouble making car payments, and and uh, nineteen percent are having trouble paying mortgage and rent. Uh, again, it's not. Not necessarily surprising, but um, something that we ought to, uh, I think, keep an eye on for sure uh, in terms of our, uh, our elected officials at a state level need to know this and uh, need to be thinking about it. And then looking at ways to potentially uh, assist where it's uh, prudent. 
We also asked about impacts on, on uh, employment. We find that 37% tell us they've had wages or hours reduced at work and almost a quarter, 23% have lost a job in the household. So some, again, some pretty sobering results and those, those results vary by, as you might expect, as, as we would all expect by a demographic type and in certain areas, uh, the, the, the financial impacts are a little more serious for uh, female respondents than men on uh, some of those issues like affording food, uh, affording medical care, uh, paying utilities. And for all of the items that you'd see in, in what is our figure 24, and then these focus on the financial impacts of those who have incomes under 50,000, household incomes under 50,000 are statistically significantly more negatively impacted as are those who are under 45, statistically significantly more uh, negatively impacted here. So again, not some of those, you know, uh, the breakouts in terms of uh, demographic type aren't necessarily all that surprising, but still important to watch. Professor Zollinger, I, I, let's stick with COVID. I think 93% of, of the people surveyed said they wore a mask all or most of the time when they go into a store, but only seven in 10 said the masks, in their opinion, helped reduce the spread of COVID. Also, there was a, a result that about a third of folks said the danger of the virus had been severely exaggerated. What do you make of that? Yeah, uh, again, um, and I guess uh, to some extent, this is a glass half full, glass, glass half empty question, but in terms of the uh, attitudes, I'll, I'll take the attitudes toward uh, face masks or face coverings first. Um, uh, while 70%, you know, as you mentioned, um, uh, just over 70% agreed that wearing a face mask or face covering helps reduce the spread of the coronavirus. And, uh, and also a uh, little over 70% uh, believe it's their responsibility to protect other people from the coronavirus by wearing a mask or face covering. We've had less than 15% disagreeing with those statements. Mm -hmm. So again, in, in one way it's heartening and uh, I suppose from a public health perspective, and then um, there's some disturbing news there from a public health perspective um, in that relatively small percentage who you know, disagree. Uh, now in terms of uh, uh, their, their perspective on whether the coronavirus has been unduly elevated, so to speak, um, we, we know that this is a disease that uh, differentially affects uh, age groups and also uh, folks by health status. So it's not necessarily surprising that that uh, those who are young, who are healthy by, by uh, you know, their own account, they may look at this, be more prone to look at this and, and think, well, you know, we're, we've had a lot of societal effects from this. Um, we, we've changed our daily, our daily behaviors. They, they look at that maybe potentially and, and wonder, is it, is, it, is it worth it? Because, um, you know, I'm young and healthy and, and ready to ready to get on with life, ready to, ready to keep living. So, and you know what, we find that of course, among our, um, uh, across the nation, among our college student populations, we see that kind of on a daily basis. It's, it's not that they don't think it's important for sure. Um, uh, they, they absolutely do, but um, there may be a little bit of a, uh, again, an age effect here mm -hmm. that uh, is at work. Age and health status effect. Yeah. I think another finding in terms of COVID was about 41% were interested in getting the vaccine and about, I think it was nearly 30% said they wouldn't. So just another area of, of uh, disagreement over such an important topic. 
you guys asked tons of other questions about the economy and, and taxes and politics and voting and Medicaid. So let's hit on some of those areas. Well, the good news is 56% of Kansans said this is a very good or excellent place to live. So uh, mm -hmm. I think most of those people are going to stick around. Um, the, there were some, there are some concerns about the economy uh, overall. So, uh, so let's, let's, let's turn to that. Sure. Uh, and I think, I think there was a sense that the economy is not as strong as it was a year ago. Yeah, that's, that is definitely the case. Uh, and again, not surprisingly, um, you know, hopefully we, we uh, don't go through a global pandemic uh, once, but every hundred years or, or hopefully a lot less frequently than that. Um, but here we are. And uh, it's had, we all know it's had uh, some pretty uh, noticeable and uh, negative effects on, on the economy overall. While some businesses have done a little better, of course, your, your Amazons uh, of the world and, and basically anybody who's doing door-to-door -door delivery, we know that uh, overall uh, it's been a, a tough road to hoe for uh, businesses during this pandemic. So it's not surprising to see that uh, Kansans are more concerned this year about the economy. Um, this year, we had 44% who are moderately or very concerned about the economy threatening their own or their family's welfare. And this is uh, substantially higher than the 28% uh, last year who felt the same way when we uh, fielded our, our 2019 Kansas Speak survey last fall. So pretty big difference there. And again, not necessarily a, a surprising difference. Well, let's, let's shift gears beyond that to, to tax policy, always a controversial thing about a fourth, I think, of the of the respondents indicated that they would they could swallow higher taxes and and they wanted higher spending to come from that. Uh, I think income tax was more popular than others. Maybe property tax the least popular among those who who could take a tax increase. And two thirds said they want to invest that in K twelve public education and social services. Were there any other factors about tax taxation that that jumped out at you? You know, this actually is pretty similar to last year's findings uh, in 2019 in terms of uh, the, the initial question you asked about, which is kind of our gateway question into the more detailed questions. So in our initial question on this, we, our actual question wording is, would they accept much higher taxes and spending, somewhat higher taxes and spending, keeping the current levels of taxes and spending um, that are in place, or somewhat lower taxes and spending, at, or much lower taxes and spending. And uh, Tim, you correctly identified that about 25% uh, responded that uh, they would favor much higher or somewhat higher taxes and spending. As a result of that question, for those who say yes, they would favor that, we then ask them about those who say yes, they would favor are asked a, a set of questions. And those who say that they favor lower taxes and spending are asked a, a separate line of questioning. And I would say that the breakouts in those uh, lines of questioning, again, aren't all, are not all that dissimilar from uh, findings in the past. Kansas mm -hmm. tend to favor income tax over uh, uh, sales tax and then uh, property tax uh, in terms of areas that they would increase. Um, in terms of areas for those who said they wanted somewhat lower taxes and spending or much lower taxes, they, they favor decreasing property tax followed by then sales tax and income tax. You're right. Um, there, there tends to be a lot of support in Kansas for, for those who would favor some increase in, in uh, taxes and spending. Uh, K-12, it's the area that the, that the largest percentage would favor a funding increase for. In terms of those who um, favor 
again, spend more spending, social services and, and senior disability services come in second place. I think about half of the respondents said they wanted lower taxes and uh, they, they wanted lower taxes across the board. Interestingly, the, there were folks, maybe it's two thirds in both of these questions said uh, they could take a cigarette tax increase and an alcohol tax increase. Maybe it's just those are the things that people refuse to do without uh, the booze and, and the tobacco. <laughs> On yeah. the political front, it, it looked like about half of the folks were satisfied with the performance of Governor Laura Kelly. A slightly slower number, around 43%, were satisfied with the president. And once again, sadly, people don't respect Congress. Uh, do you think those numbers, maybe per, as it relates to uh, Governor Kelly, are kind of within the range of, of normal? Well, normal uh, in terms of the last two years, yes. Yeah, that's, yes, actually, that's what I meant. Sorry. Uh, very similar to uh, the the uh, satisfaction levels uh, with Governor Kelly that we saw in the 2019 Kansas Speaks survey. So not much change there. Um, in fact, I would say statistically no change there. The, the approval of the president or the satisfaction level with the president, again, this is not um, dissimilar from national polling. It's, it's, a, it's a polarized distribution. Um, you, you have a, you know 43% being very or somewhat satisfied but then you have um, about 46% being um, somewhat dissatisfied or very dissatisfied. And, and, and for, uh, in terms of the, uh, the president, only 8.7% were neutral. And that's the lowest um, percentage neutral across the uh, oh, eight or so political elected officials or, or uh, again, uh, uh, political bodies that we asked about in this series of questions. Yeah. In the last few minutes we have here, we should note that three-fourths, I think, of the people in the Kansas Speaks polls said they were confident they could figure out how to cast a mail ballot, but 56% said they were at least somewhat concerned that voting by mail this year would lead to fraud, which is a little alarming. 56% said they were confident in Secretary Scott Schwab uh, running a safe election, I think in terms of COVID, in terms of COVID. Uh, making people safe. So one one final thing, you know, there's a, there's a, been a lot of controversy for the past decade about Medicaid expansion in Kansas. And the advocates of it say that the polling says that people want it done. And, and the notion these days is that it would add about 150,000 people, lower income people to uh, Medicaid in Kansas. And most of it would be paid for by the federal government. And your poll says that about 63% uh, could, could take Medicaid expansion this year. Do, do you think that's consistent with the past? Or is that yeah, it's actually almost spot on with what we found last year as well. When uh, I think this last year may have been the first year we added that question to uh, the Kansas Speaks poll, the uh, Kansas Speaks survey. Mm -hmm. um, and I would, there are a couple of uh, related items. We also asked Kansans about um, whether they, uh, the extent to which they agree that expanding Medicaid would help in, uh, would help rural Kansas hospitals remain in business. And about 75% agree with that statement. We also asked the Kansans who might obtain health insurance from expanding Medicaid deserve this benefit from, uh, this benefit from the state. And uh, again, there, just about the same percentage, 63%, agree with that question as, as, uh, as they do with supporting uh, Medicaid expansion in Kansas. Mm -hmm. Again, pretty similar results to last year, and, and I believe last year was the uh, first year we added those three questions. Well, I've been a reporter in Kansas a long time, and I look forward to this survey every year. I appreciate you guys doing it. Um, 
I think we'll have to leave it there until next year. Until next year. Okay. I want to thank Brett Zollinger, director of the Docking Institute at Fort Hayes State University for joining us today. I'm Tim Carpenter. Thanks for listening. Bye.